Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Flora, and today we're joined by Richard Parker, the founder of luxury skincare brand Rationale. Rationale has been a cult brand in Australia for decades and has recently embarked on an international expansion. Richard, thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Liz. It's lovely to meet you. Richard, you founded Rationale in 1992, but prior to that, you were a competitive swimmer and a musician. Did you want to start by sharing the story of your background and what led you into skincare? Yeah, sure. So I considered a career in medicine after um, a a seminal visit to a dermatologist when I was 14 years old. So I was a competitive swimmer um, and that made a lot of sun damage in Australia. I spent my entire youth um, in the sun, on the beach, in the pool, And at about 14, I developed these white patches on my arm that no one knew what they were. So we went to the local dermatologist who explained that it was a condition called ochronosis and that I needed to use sunscreen on my arms, on my legs, on my face every day if I wanted to prevent that happening, also to prevent skin cancer. And I I was fascinated. I thought, this is is what I want to do. So uh, I wanted to become a dermatologist, so I considered a career in medicine. But as I got older, I realized that I wanted to work in the skin wellness space of skincare, not the skin illness or disease space. And that concept of skin wellness 30 years ago didn't really exist. Um, So I uh, didn't go on to study medicine. I studied music and I worked for 10 years as a freelance cellist and teacher. And then 10 years um, into my career as a musician, a series of amazing events occurred that drew me into my purpose of becoming a a skincare formulation scientist. Um, And that was definitely my conduit into a career in beauty. And what inspired the launch of the brand? What is that story? Ah, well, after graduation, I worked as a freelance makeup artist in Melbourne in Australia. And I decided um, that I wanted, again, even more to work in that health and beauty space rather than the disease or illness space of skincare, because I observed that models who had great skin had this automatic confidence you know, they exuded confidence. They, they were very minimal in the way they dressed. They just had a, a sense of real well-being about them. The girls that didn't have great skin um, were much more introverted, I would say borderline depressed, and they had a, lot, a lack of confidence. So I thought, this is, this is the space I want to be in. I want to help people get great skin. So I started a little consultancy where women brought in all their skincare products and they'd dump them on the desk and I would sort through them and say, these are good, keep these, these are bad, throw that away give them a little shopping list, send them to the pharmacy to buy some simple pharmaceutical products. Uh, And then they'd pay me something like 20 bucks or something for the the consultation. It was nothing. But the information was so valuable to women back then because there just wasn't any of the code breakers, the information list, the websites that people have access to today. But the problem that we had was that some of the vital components that we now know are, are important to skin health, like immune boosters and antioxidants and so they didn't exist in skincare at that time. Then Melbourne's leading newspaper, it's called The Age, um, wrote a huge full-page story about my little consultancy and we just took off. Um, One of the people that read that article was a dermatologist um, who uh, was one of our first aesthetic dermatologists in Australia um, and she came to see me. So she was doing a lot of pioneering work in sun damage repairing sun damage, preventing sun damage, and so on with chemical peels and lasers. And she engaged me to teach her patients how to take care of their skin after and, and do their makeup after they'd had lasers or, or chemical peels. 
And I knew the second I started in that job that that's, this is what I wanted to do with my life. But there were still no clinically effective over-the-counter products available. So remember, even the term cosmeceuticals hadn't been invented yet, and we became one of the pioneers. So how I became educated in this field was I literally locked myself in the medical library at Melbourne University for weeks, weeks and weeks on end, studying everything I could to get my hands on regarding, you know, things like skin anatomy, physiology, pharmacology. And then I went on to study skincare formulation science in London, and I became what's known as a dermatologic formulation specialist. Once I was qualified, I, I started creating formulations that would eventually become the Rationale Essential Six collections that are based on my philosophy of the six pillars of skin health. And what was the level of knowledge about skincare in Australia at that time? They well, were remarkably high given the lack of information that was out there. So um, Australia, you know, 80% of facial aging is caused by the sun. And as Australians, Australian scientists like me, um, our dermatologists, our plastic surgeons are very well aware of this and have been since the 1970s. Um, so globally, though, when you look at how much people, so we really didn't understand the genetic effects of sun damage on the skin. Um, and we didn't have the products to either prevent skin cancer or skin damage or photo aging to premature aging. Um, we just didn't have the technology to do that. So when I started Rationale, I decided that that had to be my focus, was filling that gap in knowledge to help people understand the effects of the sun. And they're not all bad, of course, um, to understand the effects of the sun, how to prevent sun damage and how to treat it. So that became our primary focus. And in response to that, I, I created these six pillars of skin health that are based on your individual genetic responses to the sun. So, you know, in the daytime, you need immune protection, you need antioxidant protection, you need solar protection. And at night, you need to repair the skin's barrier. You've got to rebalance the skin's pH and we try and repair any DNA damage. And that became the Rationale Essential Six Collections. And that allowed us to customize for every client um, a Rationale ritual based on their own skin DNA. So this is all very much about knowing your own skin. And this links into a, a, a very, very big growth area of medicine in the 21st century, which is called epigenetics. So, you know, we have our genetic code. This is what you're born with. You inherited these skin genes from your mother, these from your father. In my case, it was I had my mother's tendency towards skin cancer and my father's genetic predisposition for acne. So at 25, I had acne and sun damage and I was not happy about it. So I thought, I've got to, I've got to get the answers for myself and then I'll, I'm sure I'll be able to help other people. So I think that that level of education around sun damage and your individual skin genetic responses is a big area of education that we were involved in. And globally now, I think more and more people are aware um, of their own skin's responses to the sun and being careful um, to make sure that you get a healthy amount of sun, not too much that it causes sun damage of your skin. And you're starting to expand globally, but you've already become such a cult brand in the Australian market. You're a favorite brand of many Australian celebrities. How would you describe your typical customer in Australia? I think there are two things about our customers. I, I, I think, first of all, they're not necessarily um, wealthy clients. You know, they're not, not necessarily. Some of them are, but a lot of them are not. So the two things I think are 
clients have in common or the two ways I would define them are firstly, they have a commitment to the best in terms of skincare formulations. They will do whatever it takes and spend whatever it costs in terms of time, money to have great skin. And they've often had skin problems. So they're highly motivated to do something about it. The second thing I would say is that they're very, very well-read and well-educated about skincare, particularly now with the internet. So um, they're seeking the best and that journey invariably leads them to rationale. And you have your flagships where you offer a full set of facial services and consultations. So you founded the brand in the pre-e-commerce era, the pre-social media era. What Mm. is the role of the flagship today in having that physical space? Well, the first 15 years of our history, we were distributed exclusively through medical and aesthetic dermatologists and plastic surgeons. And that remains our, um, I guess, our our ground, our foundation of our company's research um, into various skin concerns, particularly the effects of the sun. But about 15 years later, 15 years ago, we launched our own flagships. The reason we did that was that our doctors, as brilliant as they are, were not able to reach the skin wellness clients. They still weren't reaching those clients who just wanted to have healthier, better skin. So we opened our first rationale flagships around Australia. And in those clinics, they provide, I guess, what you could describe as a pure or a perfect rationale experience. So that all starts with an hour-long consultation that they don't often have time to do in a medical setting. And that consultation involves a genetically-based medical history, skin imaging, focusing on solar damage, and then customising a ritual for day and one for night. We also prescribe regular treatments for our clients, sometimes weekly, sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly. And those treatments are are all designed to restore that lost luminosity and target things like acne and inflammation. So our treatments are very luxurious. They're, They're like a slice of heaven. You know, you feel like you've been on holiday for a month, but that's the pure rational experience that happens in our flagship clinics and what we're looking to replicate here in the United States. Yeah, so your big recent news is you just opened your first U.S. location at yes. Melrose Place in L.A. Yes. in October. You went to Singapore in 2021. Why is now the right time to expand globally? Well, I think there, there are two things. I think firstly, um, after 30 years, we finally understand our place in the skincare world. You know, we have this very, very strong knowledge about the effects of the sun on the skin. It's 80% of facial aging. And if you can control that, then you're going to have great skin. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Sun damage is always the major cause of, of skin aging. So we have that expertise, and that knowledge. And we feel now, especially moving into um, Southeast Asia, now in the United States. So we're seeing all the global skin types. You know, we're seeing um, a a Caucasian skin where we started who have the worst sun damage, but now we're looking at Latino skin, for example, and learning all about that. Um, We're now looking at African skin and Afro-American skins and understanding completely their unique skin problems in relation to the sun. And then, of course, the Asian clients um, who've been our most recent group where we now understand their unique needs. So although there are some genetic differences, the major cause of aging the sun remains the same and we have the expertise to be able to help people globally. It's interesting because there is such a movement in skincare in the U.S. on social media of emphasizing sunscreen as a skincare product and Mm. something that should go on your daily facial regimen. Mm. Where was that 
20 years ago. Were Australians ahead of the curve on that? Or what have you seen in terms of that kind of movement? Yes, I think because of our very high skin cancer rates, we have the highest skin cancer rates in the world. So skin cancer and um, premature aging are are like flip sides of the same coin. Um, And what we observed was that people who used sunscreen daily did better. They, they, They aged more slowly, they had less skin cancer, and their skin was just generally healthier. Since then, and rationale has been at the forefront of this research, there are other things that we can do to enhance our skin's health throughout life. We can use immune boosters to to protect the skin from um, immune malfunction. We can use antioxidants to prevent oxidation, oxidative damage in the skin. We can repair the skin's barrier every single day. Our skin becomes more alkaline uh, throughout our lives and we need to acidify the skin every night. And we now have things like retinoids and DNA repair enzymes that can mop up and repair any damage that happens. So I think Australians have been very, and particularly our company, have been very influential worldwide in understanding a more comprehensive and shaping a more comprehensive approach to solar protection and repair. So it doesn't really matter what racial skin type you are. The sun is the problem. The manifestations are just different, but the solutions, like a healthy diet is the way I put it. You know, we talk about what we do as topical nutrition for the skin using all the same proteins and lipids and vitamins and minerals and so on that that are good for the skin, using those in the right concentrations at an individual level to to bring about the optimal skin protection during the day and repair at night. And in 2020, Amori Pacific acquired a 49% stake in the brand. Mm. What role has the acquisition played in your global expansion? You know, I think more than anything, Amore Pacific has given us confidence. You know, big multinationals have got a reputation for coming in saying, well, thank you, you've done a nice job. Now just give it to us and we'll take over the brand. And then you often see brands collapse at that stage because the soul has been sucked out of them, you know, and they've lost whatever it was that was unique. Amore Pacific have been the most perfect partner you could possibly hope for. They, they came in with such respect and such support and their whole philosophy was, look, please help us understand what you do. We think what you're doing is brilliant. Please don't change anything. In fact, we often ask them for advice and they're reluctant to give it because they believe we know what we're doing. It's just like a teenager that's growing up and is kind of going in the right direction. You know, we feel like that they have enormous confidence in us and enormous support. Um, of course, being a global force, a giant in the world industry, you know, that brings enormous power. You know, we have a, a, a small team of research scientists at Rational. I think we have 10 scientists. They have a thousand research scientists. But the really nice thing is that they are learning things from us and it's, it's just such a respectful relationship. So I, I see them as a benign, supportive, but not interfering parent, you know, almost the perfect partner. And how do you choose which locations to expand to first? Why was Singapore a good choice? Singapore came about during the pandemic um, because we could do it remotely and we none of us knew how long this was going to go on. So we knew that now was the time for us to expand and we used Singapore to experiment with um, setting up remotely. And it was incredible how our teams, I mean, all of us, right, around the world, we all learned to work remotely. We all learned to work in teams that weren't physically together. So it taught us an enormous about uh, about resilience, about um, creativity, ingenuity, um, mustering team effort across thousands of kilometers. And it was wonderful because we able to we were able to create two very strong flagship 
um, presences in Singapore, which is, a, again, a very high sun zone, um, very educated skincare consumers, but they have the problems of urban pollution as well, very, very high levels of pollution, which you know, are dangerous for the skin, harmful for the skin. So um, that was our first experiment. And hopefully, or luckily, Los Angeles opened for us um, uh, in time for us to be able to physically be here and do a lot of the work, um, particularly at the finishing stages of our Melrose Place Clinic. And your CEO mentioned a travel corridor between Australia and the West Coast. What is the Australian presence in LA and how does that factor into your decision to launch here first? Yes. Well, Los Angeles was was an easy choice for us because there are so many um, uh, Australians who uh, find themselves in Los Angeles uh, for acting. They're actors or people in the entertainment industry, musical production, um, and they love rationale. So it was wonderful. We, we had so many letters and emails from people asking us, you know, when are you opening in Los Angeles? So it was a very easy choice for us. But of course, in the professional sphere, we have many, many professional women in New York um, who love rationale. So that's another, um, this is why we're here in New York this week to, to look at sites and meet with our dermatologists here. Um, so I, I think that Los Angeles is the biggest group that started with us of Australian expats. And the lovely thing is that they're bringing their own, um, their own um, uh, United States colleagues into rationale and introducing them to us, which is lovely. What are your overall plans for expansion in the U.S. market? I think we'll I think we'll start in the biggest population zones, the areas of need. So New York um, is a bit of an aberration because uh, our logical nest will be places like Miami, for example, where we have again a lot of sun damage, where we can build a reputation of the brand based on our ability to prevent and repair sun damage. New York has its unique challenges again with pollution and and an, I think an extreme climate in many ways, um, and then through all the big population centres and always working with our network of dermatologists. For example, we have some excellent dermatologists, um, yeah, particular Dr. Vivian Bukai in San Antonio in Texas. So Texas will be a very important place for us. What is your breakdown right now in terms of distribution at your flagships versus through dermatologists? I think we always love to have a flagship and a network of dermatologists in the same city because a unique thing about Rationale is the way that we refer patients. So someone might walk in with a medical skin condition like rosacea or acne and our response is always to refer them to one of our dermatologists first because we can help that person but maybe not straight away. Maybe they need medical intervention first. And our team are very well educated in what we call skin triage. So they're able to look at someone and think, you need medical attention please go and see a dermatologist and by the way this is the one that we highly recommend so having that network of dermatologists is very important to our our growth um, and we tend to only set up in cities where we have that network um, and we'd like to replicate that in the united states but we have great doctors in chicago we have great doctors in you know seattle you know there are there are wonderful um uh, dermatologists plastic surgeons everywhere um but our ideal model what we love to work towards is having equal representation through our own flagships through our network of doctors and through our online world as well and tell me about next global locations for expansion so you're you have your partnership with Amori Pacific. Yes. Will you expand in South Korea? Are you looking at that? 
Yes, we would love to. We would love to. But with their encouragement, we all agree the United States um, is the, their very most important priority for us. It's, you know, the biggest homogenous market in the world. A lot of the challenges faced here skin-wise are very similar to what we know in Australia. Um, so our plan is to spend uh, at least a good couple of years establishing rationale here, but always eyes on the prize. I have a dear friend in Tokyo who's probably the top plastic surgeon in Southeast Asia, and he's desperate for us to open um, in Tokyo. So we're going as quickly as we can, and Asia is definitely a big part of that expansion. Yeah, it's so interesting because South Korea has always had sunscreen as such a big part of its skincare regime and kind of has influenced the U.S. in that way. Have you seen those trends coming from Asia into the U.S. in terms of skincare? Absolutely, yes. I I think the Koreans and the Japanese have a very, very refined sense of um, what sunscreen products should look and feel like. You know, they're lightweight because they don't like heavy products. They've got to be able to breathe. Um, They've got to be not, not... whitening on the skin. Um, So their aesthetic standards are very, very high. Where we've been able to um, be of great interest is our understanding of things like immune protection. The skin has its own immune system. And sunscreen is only doing about a third of the job of protecting your skin from the sun that it should be. So, so we're educating the Korean um, scientists about the, uh, the works of our dermatologists here in terms of protecting the skin's immune system. Um, on top of that, antioxidants are really important too. So we have formulations based on exactly the same antioxidants that are used in human skin, and we call that our skin identical philosophy. So we use those antioxidants found naturally in skin in our regimes that protect from the sun. And the Koreans have, and the Japanese have been extremely open to that message. On top of that, there's the message, what I call the message of hope, which is repairing sun damage. And, and, and I think uh, rationale has been very instrumental in helping um, the, the Asian community see that even if you do have signs of sun damage, pigmentation and so on, it's, it, it is treatable. It can be treated. Sometimes medical intervention is necessary, but it's, it's not without hope. You know, we talked about epigenetics earlier. The epigenetic code sits above the genetic code. And what it means is that if you push the right levers and don't do the wrong things and do all the right things and use the right formulations and stay out of the sun when necessary, um, you can reverse a lot of these effects of the sun. And I think that's been what we call a message of hope. So South Korea obviously is known for its 10-step skincare regime and you have the six-step system. How have you seen the evolution of Americans' interest in multi-step skincare regimes and where is that at right now? Mm. When I started my training as a skincare scientist, there were pretty much only two things that were accepted to have any effect on the skin and that was the sunscreen during the day and Retin-A at night, so retinoic acid, which is a prescription drug. Now, we, we have learned, that's nearly 50 years ago now, so we've learned a lot in those 50 years. So in studying skin health, and I always look at skin, as bizarre as this sounds, skincare companies never study human skin. They look at marketing trends and cosmetic trends and new trendy ingredients and so on. But we never had that philosophy. We don't follow trends. So what we did instead was we studied skin in its state of optimal health. How does skin look and behave? What, what minerals, vitamins, enzymes, and so on are present in healthy skin? Why do that? What happens when it got, things go wrong? What nutrients do we have to put back? 
Now, that was a revolutionary concept when, when I, I started to think that way. And I thought, well, hang on, let's study the skin's natural health systems. And it's there in the medical literature. You know, the skin has an immune system, has an antioxidant system, has a sun protection system, has a barrier repair system, a pH modulation system, and a DNA repair system. So those six pillars of skin health, I like to call them, became the basis of the essential six. So the essential six are a series of collections based on those six pillars of skin health. And from those collections, we pick and choose and we customize and we change up and we tweak regimes for people from each of those collections. But just like a healthy diet, you need to have an um, optimal, I guess, distribution across those collections of immune protectors and antioxidants. You need to have something from each pillar of skin health on a daily basis to ensure your skin is optimally healthy and looks at its most radiant and and, um, glowing. And then more of a big picture question about the luxury skincare market overall right now. Obviously, the e-commerce revolution has come to luxury skincare. You can buy any kind of $200 serum online with the click of a button. What is the process of developing loyalty among a new customer base with this kind of system? And how important is it to develop those uh, one-on-one relationships with the estheticians? I think it's everything. You know, our client is not what we would call a cherry picker. She is someone who may have been a cherry picker. She might have tried bits and pieces from different brands. It hasn't really helped her with her skin concerns. So she's given up trying to second guess her skin. And she knows she needs to go to a professional, someone with a medical level of knowledge about skin health, skin disease, what to do, how to keep constantly adjusting. Now, I always say healthy, glowing skin, we all want it. It's the most prized beauty asset we we have. And yet it's a moving target. It never remains the same day after day. It's always different in each decade of life. So what we need to do is make sure that we have such a strong relationship with our clients that they trust us. They have absolute faith in our ability to know their skin and know when their skin has changed and what to introduce. So we're doing the tweaking for them. We're doing the adjusting. We're helping them understand the changes and meet the challenges um, throughout life. That's why we talk about luminous skin for life. You, you, we can't look young forever, Liz, and it's, it's such a slippery road to be chasing youth your whole life. And often you see tragic consequences of that in, in facial dysmorphia and so on. But you can be beautiful at any age. You can have healthy glowing skin at 19 or at 90. And we have people in their 90s who, who have this great skin. So I think the relationship between um, your, the, our, the rational client and their doctor or the rational client and their therapist is the most treasured thing on both sides. So just a final question for today. You're in the U.S. now. You're expanding globally. You're working with Amore Pacific. What are your biggest priorities for growth in 2023? I think to ensure that we maintain brand integrity. um, For us, it's terribly, terribly important that people know that what we do is customized down to a DNA level. So we we need to understand you at a genetic level to be able to give you the best skin possible. So that the challenge is there, of course, of how do you do that online? We, we have ways that that can be done, but that's taken many years to hammer out. So for us, the relationships that we have need to be of the highest caliber, the highest level of trust and integrity, and we will never grow beyond that 
the speed at which we can maintain the integrity of those relationships. So growth for us is very much tethered to the um, knowledge of the people that we work with, the integrity of the people we work with, um, and on the wonderful support of the media that we've had here. So I think for us, it's that um, brand message of luminous skin for life, based on the six pillars of skin health, based on an individual understanding of your skin's changing needs throughout life. Well, Richard, thank you so much for being here and giving us such a good overview of your brand. And we'll look forward to seeing what's next in the US. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you next week.